Hey everyone, welcome back to APTA Live Student Night. My name is Yusra Iftikhar and I use she, her, her pronouns um, and I am your Director of Communications. I know it's been a while since we've had one of these so I'm very excited to be back tonight um, and this time with a co-host, your Director of SPTA Relations, Scotty Gamboa. And today we're talking all things PT and PTA teams. So I'm gonna let tonight's panel introduce themselves. Scotty, we'll start with you, we'll go to Christine and then Nana. Yeah, thanks Yusra for having me. I'm excited for this conversation tonight and thanks for Christine and Nana for joining us. Um, so as Yusra said, I'm Scotty Gamboa. I am the Director of uh, Student PTA Relations on the Student Assembly Board of Directors. I'm a second year at Mountain Hood Community College, hopefully graduating here in the next month. So yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Hi. My name is Christine Davidson. I'm a physical therapist. I've been a physical therapist for 10 years now um, and got the pleasure of working with Nana. And I'm honored to be here. And I'm honored that you all asked us um, to be here as the APTA, PTPTA award-winning team members. Hello everyone. Uh, my name is Nana Kovieri. Um, I've been working in the inpatient setting for like nine years and outpatient for one year for total 10 years. I'm so excited and thank you for having me. Of course, thank you all for being here with me tonight. I feel a lot less alone tonight with a co-host and multiple panelists, so this is good. Um, so Christine, you mentioned the Outstanding PT PTA Team Award that you both won through APTA. Would one or both of you mind telling us a little bit about what that award means? When did you win that award and how did all of that come about? Uh, we had some awesome colleagues that nominated us in the state of Florida uh, for the PT, PTA team uh, at the state level. And then unbeknownst to us, they were nominating us at the national level also. Um, it was a great honor and uh, I appreciated the recognition um, because it truly was development on both of our parts to be able to learn how to work together, understand the relationship, uh, work to learn how to be a mentor and share um, concerns, share ideas, share complex problem solving issues uh, for the ultimate benefit of our patients. Uh, so it was a, quite, a, quite a nice recognition from our colleagues, management, um, across our hospital's continuum that recognized our teamwork on that. Yeah, that's really sweet. I'm sure that felt good, not only to know that you're working strongly as a team, but then also to have that recognized at the state and national levels. I think that's really amazing. That's great. Could you both um, kind of one at a time or you can go back and forth since you do work together. Tell us a little bit about, Christine, why did you become a physical therapist? And tell us just a little bit about that path and Nana a little bit about becoming a physical therapist assistant. Is this a career path you both saw yourselves going down, um, you know, from whenever, or was this something that you found later in life? I think it'd be good for the audience to know a little bit about your backgrounds, too. Sure. Um, I started my undergrad not really knowing what direction I wanted to take, uh, although I knew I wanted to be in healthcare in some capacity. Um, I found the field of physical therapy as a way to... Uh, be able to help individuals at a critical kind of turning point in their lives and then particularly the area of neuro rehab uh, to help individuals after some devastating life-changing event, strokes, brain injuries, spinal cord injuries, major traumas, and uh, be able to help those individuals at that critical time. Um, kind of seems so long ago, I don't remember now, but I just knew that uh, the passion was there for those people to be able to take their first steps after an injury or recover from strokes and really pushing that recovery piece um, was where my pathway kind of started into physical therapy. Great, Nana? Um, well, I worked in a different setting, uh, different field and I, one day I had the other uh, kids come to me like it was like a limping leg and then he talked about the He's going through the, uh, the physical therapy, and which I didn't know before the, what the physical therapist does. And then also, I didn't even know the, what the physical therapist assistant does. And then I looked it up and talked to a lot of people, and then I'm interested in that field. Um, I'm more like a person that assisting a lot of people um, instead of um, 
I'm, I'm not a good at the paperwork people. And then I'm just uh, look, looked it up and then what the PTA and then PT does. And then I'm more like a person that works with the PTA. And then I pursued, um, I started um, pursuing for that career. And then I started um, doing all the volunteer uh, pediatrics and then home, um, home health setting in the different field. And then I more liked uh, inpatient a neuro setting, which I met the Christine and then worked for nine years, which is a good relationship. So, <laughs> I wow. mean, yeah. yeah, that's great. My story is a little bit of a combination of the two where I didn't know what physical therapists and physical therapist assistants were. Um, I don't think I really understood until my master's program. And I also went into college having no idea what I wanted to do. I had like a little bit of an inkling that I wanted to go to medical school maybe, but I think that was a little more culture driven um, than anything that I had a passion for. So it's really nice to hear y'all stories, which leads me into Scotty. I don't think you and I've ever talked about this, but I wanna know your background a little bit and kind of how you also followed the PTA path. Yeah, so like most PTAs, uh, I chose this as a second career. Um, I was originally a business management major doing property management for multiple years. And then uh, my grandma got sick and I had kind of been looking for a change anyway and took the opportunity to take care of her. And just seeing the difference that physical therapy made in her life um, was amazing. I mean, the small things that she liked doing, you know, playing the computer and going out and looking at Christmas lights and how physical therapy helped prolong that uh, for the last few years of her lives was amazing to me. So I wanted to be able to do that for other people. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Yeah, and so I know you guys said that uh, you two have worked together for several years now. Um, so how, you said uh, nine years, and what setting did you guys both work together? In uh, the inpatient rehab. Great, and so how did your relationship work there? Were you seeing patients first and then passing them off to her, or did you guys have more of a one-on-one -on -one with patients and just communicate about certain uh, patients you were seeing? Uh, I feel like it's kind of been the whole mixture of what the PT, PTA team can look like. Um, in the beginning, you know, you're kind of just both trying to figure that out, feel it out, um, but it really, transitioned into problem solving back and forth on a daily basis, just making sure to make sure we were the consistent team for our yeah. set of assigned patients um, because consistency was really the key part. And then being able to have that coverage um, over five to seven days of the week mm -hmm. uh, so that the, the patients really knew who their physical therapy team was. Um, during that time, it's been very patient dependent. If there's somebody that was very low level or required two sets of skilled hands to uh, facilitate sitting, standing, gait training, um, what, whichever piece that we were working on, uh, we could advocate and have both of us there at the same time. Um, but being able to kind of go back and forth between any of the patients on the caseload was the ideal. Yeah. And so, Nana, have you worked in both types of settings where you've had a PT that starts the treatment with a patient and then ends the treatment with you um, and then versus the one on one treatment? And what what are kind of your your the positives and negatives of both for you? Um, well, um, there are always pros and cons in each setting uh, for the outpatient setting. Um, you know, the uh, PT does eval and then got passed on to me and then I have to finish almost before right before the discharge and then hand it over to the PT. So um, we do communicate. However, we don't really um, share the thoughts because the, I'm the primary uh, taking care of the uh, specific patients uh, versus in patients like we share the patient. So one day, sometimes every other day we'll switch around or sometimes, you know, I work over the weekend and then we can actually you know, talk about the, how we did on the, over the weekends. And then so uh, constantly communicated each other on the, uh, during, uh, in the inpatient. So, um, I mean, that's, that's why I like inpatient and I'm working on nine years. <laughs> um, but because of the Christian is like, you know, communicated openly. So I feel like, you know, um, so comfortable sharing my thoughts and opinions and giving out advice, even though she's PT and they know everything, but <laughs> so, yeah. 
Thanks. So you mentioned communicating openly and you feel like that's been really good for your relationship. Why else do you feel like your relationship works so well? Why else do you feel like you're an award-winning PTPTA team? Um, I think it's just a, a mutual respect. Uh, you, you come to know what you know and know what you're good at and then know where you need help. Um, I feel our patients nowadays are coming to us sicker and sicker and more acutely injured. And there may be times when you're stuck or you don't see something. And so then you have to have that trust. You have to have that backup that someone else is also keeping an eye on this person and looking at them day to day or session to session and making sure that you guys are seeing the same thing. And in the same regards, you, you sometimes need a different perspective to come in and say, why don't we try it this way? Or we've done this transfer this many times. I think they're ready to progress to the next level. Let's try it together. What do you think? Um, and being able to have that trust that the other person has done their research, done their due diligence to make sure you're putting the patient's best interest in mind. Um, is just the, the key and it makes your day so much better. It relieves the, the stress I feel on both sides of us so much to know that you have a partner there and you have someone there that has your back. Great. And so, you know, you kind of touched on a little bit, but what are the strengths of having a PTA be that person that you're interacting with versus having another PT that you're having that relationship with? Uh, I think that it's, it, to have your PTA there, to have someone that understands um, all of the movement principles that you're doing, that understands the anatomy piece, that is is skilled in a specialty area, to be your partner is just critical. Um, you can you can achieve so much more with the two of you than versus just one person or another person that kind of bounces in and out. Another PT that comes in to cover the day that you're off, when you can share across multiple patients, you can establish a routine, you know, um, you can kind of predict what the other person is going to do. I know specifically Nana um, is great for balance and obstacle courses and challenging people and incorporating their scanning. So I go on about my day and I know she's got it covered, you know, whereas I like to do other things so we can play to each other's strengths and then come back together at the end of the day to see, okay, what do we still have to do to get this person ready for home or ready for whichever their, their goals are at that time. Yeah. I'm curious, how long do you feel like it, it took for y'all to get to that point where you felt like, okay, we're a well-oiled machine. I kind of have understood this person at this point. I know kind of what to expect just for, especially like with Scotty and myself being new grads, like if we're not automatically like that <laughs> from the start, is that okay? Should we panic? Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> no, I, I feel like when you're new grads coming out, you're just trying to figure out what's going on. You're just trying yeah. to make it through your day. You want to make sure you saw the right patients that day, documented everything you're supposed to document and you know, leave it within a decent number of hours that you're supposed to be there. Uh, so you're just trying to figure out how to talk to people, how to talk to patients. Um, yeah. I don't think that you really know how to collaborate unless you had a really, you know, strong CI that forced you to do it. You wouldn't have thought to do it because you're so focused on what you have to get done. Um, right. So it took a while and it takes a while. I think, um, we all joke that we all have the same like type A personality. All therapists want to have the control to know what's going on, to make people better. And it doesn't, it doesn't work like that at all. So the quicker you can give up some of that control and give up some of that um, stress that you're placing on yourself to engage with another person that you can trust and get on the same page with, which whatever, you know, medical concerns or comorbidities or, or, worries you have about your population and then whatever passions you have for your population, um, the better, but it's just something that takes kind of trial and error. Um, I was fortunate to be able to come into a, a setting with a lot of strong PTAs that helped to teach you that, but you don't, you, you don't know how to do it because you're figuring out how to do your job yourself. So you got to <laughs> give yourself a break on that and know that everyone's doing their best and everyone's trying to, to learn how to, to do this new profession that they've just joined. Right, right.
Yeah, I mean, I've actually had a really good opportunity in the clinic that I'm in right now that there is a PT student working as well at the hospital. And so whenever I have any questions, I'm able to reach out to them and they're getting an experience to work with a PTA. So it's been really great. But what advice would you give to a PT working with a PTA for the first time if they never got that opportunity? Um, I think the more uh, open you can be and the more collaborative uh, in regards to treatment ideas, or kind of goal setting. Um, everybody sees something a little differently of what uh, you expect a person to be able to achieve. Um, making sure to take into consideration the, the, what's the word? I guess passions is not the right word because hopefully they're working in a setting that they're, that they're caring about. But um, whatever particular area someone might love or versus that and then ultimately keeping in mind that whatever you're doing is going to be for the best benefit of the patient. I think it's that old, um, you know, two, two plus two isn't going to equal four. It's going to equal 10. If you do it to the right capacity between you and your partner, you'll be able to totally. Things. Sorry. Holly agrees. Pets are definitely welcome on this. Yeah. <laughs> Always. So, Nana, do you have any advice for uh, yeah, PT? I mean, right, like if, even like I've been working like nine years and I've seen a lot of new grads coming in or even like a student and then they're like, if they opened and then communicated to me and then I feel I get more like a lot of information and new ideas and all that. I mean, even like that I haven't seen before. It's, you know, it's everything, it's everything. Every year, it's always like updated and new things. And then you guys are learning so much like different than back in the day, probably 10 years or 12 years ago. And then I like the feedback and then the getting the new ideas and then all the advice, even like a new grad from the new grad. So yeah, if you're like open to anything to the communicate it, and then I, I mean, everybody feel, you know, gets to learn from it. Yeah. Nana, I have a kind of like the reverse of that question for you, though. So what about um, student physical therapist assistants and physical therapist assistants who are new grads who come in and um, I guess it's for anybody, but maybe not just new grads, but and they are working with that type A PT who is like, no, I want to do things my way. Like I don't, and, and cause being in PT school, we didn't learn a ton about scope of practice for physical therapist assistants. I wouldn't say we spend a lot of time on it. And so um, it could be just, you know, a very like uh, not anything like intentional or ill-willed, but do you have any advice then for the physical therapist assistant side where it's, you are working with the sort of personality, basically how do you advocate for yourself and your scope of practice? Um, like Christy said, um, sometimes it takes a long time to build the trust. So mm -hmm. like, I'm not going like, to jump into like correcting or that they need to correct or anything like that. But we just need to kind of be like open-minded, open to like communications and then feel like more comfortable uh, expressing each other. Because um, if, um, if you, tr you can't do it, everything by yourself and then because Sometimes like um, our setting, it's seven days. We constantly working with the patient for the benefit of the patient. We need to have like, you know, like the, all the communications to, because the person cannot work seven days a week. So we have to trust like, you know, the, uh, somebody to, to take over like even the weekends or sometimes you're, you're sick and then your day off and then just to see what the, uh, the patient does and then, you know, seeing, even though we're working on that same goal, uh, sometimes seeing the different approach would be beneficial to the PT that, you know, you never worked with the PTA or don't know anything about it, so. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So I'm wondering, um, between the, the uh, two of you, it seems like you have a good understanding of each other, the roles the other will play, but what about to people outside of your team? Um, Christine, do you find yourself having to or trying to advocate for Nana and for PTAs? Um, Nana, do you find having to do that for yourself? Because I think a lot of times the advocacy, and I could be making assumptions, so have you ever had to advocate for the PT side of things? Um, I would just love to hear kind of more about that, about people that you don't work with on a daily basis. Uh, yes, you're certainly right. You have to 
you have to advocate for your colleagues, but then it all ultimately comes down to in the best interests of, interests of the patients. Mm -hmm. So um, I feel that I've had to advocate a lot for PTAs and scheduling and patient consistency. And that's for the sake of the patients. And then it's also for the sake of the PTAs as well, because if you don't have a consistent patient caseload that you can see, it's quite difficult to make progress and truly understand the plan of care and then get that patient to trust you. So I, it's, it's all ultimately the same and it all comes down to when you are advocating for your patients and getting a established rapport and established level of trust with the patients, the patients need to have it with you, with their team and know who their team is. Um, and in that regard, you have to advocate for your team as well. And I think it's true for just staff members. I don't think it's PT, PTA, OT, OTA speech. It's, it's, it's everybody to have a consistent yeah. person yeah. there for the patients to see and to know that this is my team nursing. The whole, the whole team has to work together mm -hmm. to do that. So I think it's, it's just advocating for what's right for the patients. And then it turns into being what's right for the PT, PTA team too. Right. I agree. Like Tori. Yeah. Yeah, it's patients first. Yeah. yeah. Do you find, um, maybe this is a question a little bit more for the inpatient side of things, but do you find that patients kind of understand the difference between like the physical therapist and physical therapist assistant? Is that something that you bother with? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just curious. Because I know that like being on clinical rotations, a lot of times people assumed I was their nurse or their physician or whomever and so for like legal reasons like I would explain who I was but I found that beyond that it didn't really matter as long as we were just helping the patient to get better. I, I all, always introduce myself as a PTA so they know for sure that like you know, I'm assistant but the uh, uh, as far as the intubation like uh, when you're treating um, it's a it's a same way like we always like find like it's uh same approach and then um so um, I don't know I mean I do agree with you um I think it's important that we are noting that we're we're participating in the practice of physical therapy we are your physical therapy team I always introduce myself as Nana said I'm a physical therapist my name is Christine I work on a team I have a partner and we work together. We work towards the same goals. We've collaborated to work towards your goals. And I do think that's true um, regardless of practice setting. Um, the same thing is true in an outpatient setting. Um, in the one I work in now, I always say, uh, we are gonna have two people on your physical therapy team. This is great to get two different perspectives, a different set of eyes. You may get one exercise described to you differently that makes more sense than I did or vice versa. And we're working towards your same goals, collaborating together to make sure we're making progress for what you want. So I think it's always important to, to specify and advocate that this is, the, this is the practice of physical therapy. Both, both roles are doing it. Right. Awesome. So we've got a question here um, that hopefully y'all can help me out with. Uh, so it's um, from Facebook and the question is, as a PTA, I'm always wondering what PT students learn about the PT-PTA relationship while in school. Can you address your experiences in school? I'm gonna let you go first, Christine. <laughs> I don't know who the question was for, but I can go after and of course, Nana and Scotty, whatever you wanna add in. Um. In truth, it's very hard to distinguish now what was learned in school and what was not from school. Um, and I'm sure it's dependent on program. Um, I do feel that schools, of course, focus on making sure that you've learned uh, the laws and rules of your profession. Again, what the profession of physical therapy is allowed to do and the practice act of physical therapy. Um, I feel that I learned that a physical therapist had to do the evaluating and assessment piece um, initially. And then after that, it was pretty similar. So yeah. I don't recall there being um, large discrepancies or differences. Um, I remember being on clinicals and where I did have CIs that encouraged me to communicate with the PTAs that were on our team as well. Mm -hmm. um, and I think they probably prompted the PTAs to make me do the same. Um, 
but I, I, I think it was very much just the textbook. These are the rules. These are the laws. This is the laws for this one. This is the laws for this one. Um, but nothing about how that actually went into practice besides the, the clinical experiences. Yeah, my experience was pretty similar. Um, I'm trying to think, I was going to say the same thing about not knowing what came from school and what came from, uh, for me, my clinical rotations. I worked really closely with PTAs, um, I think in all three of my long-term rotations. Um, and I owe those PTAs so much because um, not only did they help me so much through my part of it, but also helped me understand that PT-PTA relationship really well. But yeah, I think it was the same thing where in school it was a lot of the rules and um, I think I always just kind of learned it as what can PTAs not do? Um, and then everything else was kind of fair game. But it wasn't until I really got into the clinic um, and into the hospital that I understood, I think, better. Oh, this is a huge scope of practice. Like, this is, this is awesome. Um, and this is how we can kind of work together and have that communication, mutual respect, everything else that um, you both talked about. Great. Um, do either of you or both of you um, take students ever? Like as clinical instructors? Um, yes, I have in the past um, and then residents as well. And then now um, I'm in a supervisory role, so I don't have students currently, but have had experience. Okay, nice. Nana, what about you? I only see uh, the one that when the, the uh, some part of it. I haven't had the, the student whole um, whole semester, but mm -hmm. the uh, like just to kind of take over like a few, a few days here and week there and all that. Yeah, the reason I ask is I'm curious um, since I'm assuming a large part of our audience is current students. Like, what can students do while they're either in the classroom or out treating patients to have a better understanding of? Uh, the other person's scope of practice, how to start working well in that team so that even if you don't have everything figured out, how you can get ahead of the game a little bit. I think it's important just to, to sit down and talk with people and find out what they're doing um, or ask to observe a treatment session, ask to observe a day with someone, um, to shadow with someone. I think it's a little bit eye-opening too because you can hand the same list of treatments to either one, and it's going to be the same thing. Um, so it's important for someone to get that and just engage with the other people in the clinic to collaborate, um, get feedback on the goals you've written or um, treatments that you're doing or trying and see, well, that didn't work. This person did it and it did work. Let me see what they did differently. Um, it's, a, it's a lot of just problem solving and your clinical decision making in the moment. Um, and that's the same for either one. So the more exposure you can get to different styles and different treatment strategies, I think the better. Nana, anything to add or anything that you tell your students to empower them? Um, yeah, to just observe the, uh, the, all the PT and OTs and then also even like a speech therapist too. Like if you, especially if you're working on a neural setting, it's just a completely different setting that I, you probably experience from the orthopedic, uh, the setting too. So just to have like different, uh, the, uh, professional scene, uh, seeing that to understanding what patient has to go through in order to, to do that. Uh, to become like a, uh, to improve the old. Yeah. All right. Well, we are going to take just a quick break. Um, I have just two announcements. Um, they're pretty important though. So I'm going to go ahead and make those now and then we will continue on. Um, all right. It is time to take action and for each of us to do our part to call for action against a proposed 9% Medicare payment cut. CMS has proposed a cut in payment to PTs and other disciplines in 2021. Our board will be posting a link in the comments now to an article that'll walk you through how exactly to take action, and that includes a template email to send to Congress and to CMS directly. I also want to let y'all know about the APTA flash action, action strategy on September 15th and 16th. Um, this is an election year, as I'm sure a lot of people know, and so supporting the PT Political Action Committee, or PT PAC, um, supports the profession, and it's important to note that your membership dues to APTA don't contribute. Um, so 
that money doesn't overlap. So you do have to give to PT PAC separately. Um, I personally have my account set up to where it just automatically takes out $5 every month. And that also gets me included in the PT PAC coffee club, um, which includes like monthly uh, like journal clubs and meetings online. So I think that's pretty cool as well. Cause then it's kind of like a nice two in one deal. Um, but like I said, my board members will be putting all of those links in the comments and we are going to get back to APTA live. All right, so speaking of those proposed cuts, everything like that, Scotty, I know that you are very well versed too in kind of the advocacy world um, of PT, PTA, et cetera. So can y'all talk a little bit about maybe some issues um, that require our advocacy right now? Um, they can be for the profession as a whole, like I just mentioned, or maybe for PTAs um, specifically. So I know specifically there are two big ones that are kind of the hot topics right now. And one of them is about PTAs getting the vote um, with the House of Delegates. Uh, and then the other one that's been a big uh, topic is PTAs getting a cut from Medicare in addition to this 9%. Do you guys have any thoughts on either of those? Um, well, of course, both are very hot topics. The 15% the cut from Medicare for PTAs and this, this year, two years, I guess, of uh, monitoring it is very hard, very critical. Um, it seems like what uh, you sort of just said about advocacy and being a part of PAC is critical. Um, our profession needs membership. We need backing. We need support. And we need this um, advocacy at the legislative level to be able to impact it. Um, I don't know that Right now, of course, then now the world's upside down and, and who knows what's happening, this 9% on top of it, um, it's just gonna keep taking the APTA, having the back for the profession, again, the profession of physical therapy, um, that the 15% is gonna have a huge impact. Um, and I don't know, you probably know more about it, Scotty, if they've even released any preliminary numbers or anything like that of what it's looking like, but um, it's very concerning. And um, we, of course, just have to keep pushing against it and advocating for the services that are being provided. Again, making sure that everyone is doing their part correctly. Um, your other question for the House of Delegates and PTAs having the vote, um, I do think that it's come quite far. It's been um, you know, interesting, and I haven't been involved in the House as long as a lot of people have, and I know you're big in the um, PTA caucus as well, um, how long they had to fight just for a voice to be able to speak at the assembly and um, bring a motion forward or have their voices heard. Um, I do think that uh, the representation with a vote in the House of Delegates would be perfectly appropriate for PTAs, again, as, as they have um, a huge part in the practice of physical therapy. Um, there are certainly differences and arguments on both sides, but to have the representation and have, um, have the ability to speak and represent a group of people, a group of um, representatives from across the states um, would be huge. And I think it would be great for PTAs to be able to have that. Um, I know there's a lot of intricacies of, as regards to PTA membership and PT membership, and both are far too low, um, but to have the representation of, um, what's the word I'm trying to say, to have the representation within numbers and states or just a singular vote or, or a set number um, is still, I'm sure, always debated in the hot topics there, and we'll see. Um, again, I think pushing forward into the next year. So Nana, have you noticed anyone, um, or do you know anyone that a PTA that's already been affected by the proposed 8% cut? Um, or do you have any advice for, you know, PTA students about kind of um, distinguishing themselves to make sure that they are uh, more valued in their clinic? Yeah, um, I'm trying to like, um, well, some of my friends, Yes, uh, but I'm just trying to be positive about joining the PT, APTA to, to get the more like updated information and all to, to, um, to understanding what's going on. Um, because I, I believe that like a lot of people around me is not, um, um, it's not quite um, 
understanding that what's going on right now. Um, so I hope like uh, every one of the therapists um, get onto the APTA and then see what's the uh, what's affecting us in the future and then Colin and then see what can we do to make it changes and then to to get the more better you know work setting and then so that way we can actually focus on what the importance for the patient care and all the other stuff. All right. So I want to pivot a little bit to um, going back to talking about kind of working within that team and working with each other. I'm cheating a little bit because I'm taking from a previous conversation that we've had, but I know that um, y'all have talked about how your goal writing, for example, changed. I think, Christine, you mentioned that the way that you write goals has changed um, after working for a long time with a PTPTA team. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about in what sense has it changed and maybe anything else that has kind of progressed and evolved in your own personal practice because of working with the other person. Uh, yes, it's kind of funny. I don't know how many years it took um, for Nana and the other PTAs to say, you know, when you write a goal that says this, and I was like, oh, no, why, why didn't someone say something sooner? Um, the prime example of that is um, when everything was so focused on the FIM score and a, the patient will walk 150 feet um, with whatever assistance level and whatever device, uh, they go, you realize if the patient is walking that distance, then I can't technically walk them any further. And I was just like, what? Like, <laughs> so I, I didn't realize that it, it, it took me that long to figure out that I should write at least 150 feet. And then the PTA can walk them as far as you want. It's things like that, that you didn't even consider semantics and goal writing. Um, while you have to make sure that they are individualized and patient specific um, and with, with whatever goal device you have. Um, I know that the PTAs we work with are very clever and they'll just use strengthening or neuromuscular re-education as a way to focus on balance with a, a lesser device or a um, advancing a device. Um, but all it would take is a quick conversation to say, hey, they're doing better than that. Look at this, change the goal. Like, oh, okay. Um, I feel my goal writing in my career has changed quite a bit because um, it went from being very specific on very specific functions to now um, we want to improve whatever functional task to improve safety, reduce falls, improve a score by this much, or focus on a functional strength exam by this much, or a walking speed of this much, and then um, kind of leaving it very functional and then very open-ended for the PTA to create their treatment into kind of whatever they want, whatever means they need to be able to get that goal achieved. Um, so I think it's it very much changed. I think again, from that very structured textbook, I need to have these five items in the goal and you still need to have them there, but they just need to be written in such a way that's more fluid, truly functional. And then the, the PTA can do whatever treatment means necessary to get to there. Yeah, and Nana, I don't know if you've come across this, but in my limited time, I'll like I'll be looking at the plan of care and the patient has changed, you know, has progressed so much in the last three days. And it's like, oh my goodness, I could walk in the room with them this treatment, but gate is not listed. And so you're like, oh, gotta go call the PT. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Like I get um it's just uh, sometimes um, you know, the goal can be as specific, uh, but then when it gets like those kind of limited uh, the out outcome measure or something like that, and it just we 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 get questionable. Like like, can I do this? Or can I do? Can, or should I not do this? Or so then I have to you know talk to the PT all the time and then just see. So what does this mean? And then so after you know, I mean that you know again like a communication is so important. Like when even like remotely, you have like something small, they have questionable, and I have to ask because of my license too. So, um, so those kind of stuff, like it's always happening. And then, but it's because of like, we want to see, like, we want to see what we can do too. I mean, like, I want to be comfortable when, when I'm treating patient and then 
feel like I wanted to do some more again, but then, <laughs> yeah, it's- Your hands yeah. are tied. <laughs> Y'all, I had such good clinical instructors, so I'm sure this didn't happen, but I'm sitting here panicking, thinking about all the goals that I wrote that probably were <laughs> like, oh, 50 feet. Like I was literally sitting here going through like, what did I write in that note six months ago? So I'm just not going to think about it and hopefully my CS has got it. But, but that's so good to know. I don't think I ever realized that. I mean, that makes so much sense. But I mean, just especially what you said earlier, Christine, about like being a new grad, being a student, just trying to make sure that you, you know, put your shoes on the right feet that morning um, and just being so focused in. It's easy to miss those little things um, that can seemingly be so little. But yeah, wow, that's so interesting. So um Going off of that a little bit, we've got a couple more questions here um, from the audience. So we've got one here that says, um, is it practical or even appropriate to ask the physical therapist if they believe in progressive treatment and teamwork during an interview? As a PTA student, we're learning new things that the veteran physical therapist might not have learned. So how do we address that issue? I think that could be for either or both of you. Um, I think you can always ask, I, I feel in an interview, um, you, you're trying to see if the place is a right fit for you. So you can see what kind of um, mentoring goes on, what, how the relationship works, um, what, what their strategies are, or what their daily schedules are set up like, how the, the therapist schedules are set up. Um, so certainly appropriate to ask from a professional professional perspective um it's just i'm sure it's different from place to place and setting to setting how much time they give you for mentoring or how much ramp up time there is for learning and treatment um i feel on a day-to-day -day basis when you have a pgpta team it has to be a collaboration there's been times when i've been um in a treatment with a one of my ptas and they say, do you want to try it? Can we try it? Do you think they could stand today? Yeah, go for it. Like you make that clinical decision-making and those progressive, um, aggressive, maybe recovery or treatment strategies can be happening in the moment too. So it kind of depends on a whole host of factors, but um, certainly appropriate topic of conversation to bring up. Do you have any advice on I don't know if this is too specific, but any advice on just wording? I know I'm someone who gets worried about offending people, um, especially in an interview where it is so high stakes as the uh, kind of person not in power. Do you have any advice on how we can bring it up without it seeming like a big deal? Um, I guess it would depend on the person that you're interviewing with. If you're interviewing with a manager that is a speech therapist or um, a respiratory therapist, they may not even know what you're talking about. It may be if you have to have a conversation with the therapist there, um, I think it would be appropriate to ask, tell me what the dynamic of the, your PT, PTA teams are, or um, what's your ideal setup look like for collaboration for these types of things. Or I think it doesn't matter if it's PT or PTA, it can just be what progressive therapy things are happening in your clinic mm -hmm. um, and you'll be able to get the vibe from that regard if they're doing aggressive which in whatever specialty area you're looking at um, or the latest evidence-based approaches and it won't matter if it's a physical therapist or a physical therapist assistant doing it it's are they doing it in the clinic at all right yeah not anything to add yeah, I mean, I think I asked the question uh, during the interview, too, because I was working on the outpatient and then I was looking for the more like a collaborative, like a PTPTA, like a close to each other instead of uh, taking over and then staying by myself. And I would like to see another PTs in the, in the same setting, what they're doing, those kind of stuff I was looking for. So I kind of, I mean, express that. And then, so that way they're understanding, like uh, answering those kind of questions. And then they feel like, you know, I'm actually looking for those specific setting. So I think it's good to, you know, ask those kind of questions. And then, you know, um, if you're really interested in a specific setting. Yeah. All right. And I was wondering too, so 
some one question I get often, sorry, pivoting a little bit, is about PTAs versus AIDS. Mm-hmm. What what kind of the difference between the two of them are, and how you can how do you use them differently? That's an alarming question. Um, <laughs> I was talking to Nana about this before this, as we because we were both wanted to make sure we were you know, had, had ourselves prepared, had ourselves ready for a good Facebook live call. And um, it's like, it's just a level of respect and understanding for another person. Um, so I'm, I guess to an outsider or a patient that maybe didn't understand what the differences were, um, then uh, a PTA and an aide, they may not know, they both have an A. Um, that's kind of where the similarities end. Um, I think that but you could say that both both are going to be engaged with patients, um, but an aide, you know, is totally unlicensed and can't make any kind of decisions. They're being used in the clinic, hopefully, for um, assisting a therapist under the direct supervision of a therapist for tasks. Um, an assistant is going to be their own clinical decision maker, practicing, you know under a plan of care, but independently. Um, so unfortunately, I guess those things are still going on and maybe we're just so not used to it because we haven't been in a setting that is like that. Um, but, but to me, it's two totally different, not even in the same realm kind of categories, except that both are, both are extremely vital, of course, to your practice and very helpful, but um, that's where kind of where it ends for me. Oh. Yeah, so I don't know, uh, Nana, if you've ever had some, if you've ever gone and worked at a place that you were uh, given tasks more as an aide, or if you know anybody, and if a PTA ends up getting in that situation, how they should advocate to the, for themselves that like, hey, I actually can do more, um, you know, use me to the fullest of my license. Right. Um, I mean, I, I truly, like, I have to explain like every single time when it's happening. That's all I can do. Um, otherwise, it just kind of, if let go, it just keep accumulating, accumulating, and it just kind of, I mean, everybody just not getting it or just don't know. So, I mean, it's, that's only I did. It just, I mean, each time, if everybody just different. And so, yeah, that's. Yeah, because I can see, like, especially as a new grad coming in and working with a PT and then being like, hey, I don't know you yet. We don't really have a good communication. Like, I want to be able to trust you. So, you know, trying from the beginning, I want you to do these Therex activities with your patient, but then like trying to progress out from there, from them giving you like tasks to do versus, you know, you actually treating the patient. (laughs) (laughs) It's it really depends on the like PTs and then some PTs are of course, you know, specific, you know, what exactly what the, you know, what they want. And then, but, you know, after, you know, it just talk about it and then do treatment of what they actually ask us to do. And then I'm just always like throw some idea and then see what do you think? Because I've been treating this patient for like, and then I see the differences from day one to day three. And then I think he or she can do a little bit more balance or instead of aesthetics and then, or do more functional tasks to, you know, kind of push towards the discharge. And because like, you know, I see, I see the improvement or something like that or vice versa. So, yeah. yeah. I love how much both of you are so intentional about communication and also speaking up when it's necessary. I'm wondering, have you ever counseled other PTA people PT teams or if any teams or team members are listening and they're having trouble with either their communication or just the way that they work together, do you have any sort of general advice or anything that you would want to tell them? Um, I don't know. I don't know that counsels is the right word. I guess it's maybe more back to that advocacy for PTAs. Um, there's been different things when, um, PTA may have a certification that you don't have, um, a brain injury specialist or lymphedema certifications or different um, 
LSVT programs or or things along that line. And it's just like you can you can still have a collaborative piece, write a plan of care and say, okay, you go run with it. I don't have to be the expert in everything. We know that these things are helpful and and go ahead. Um, I think advocating to be able to see everybody on the team as a colleague and contributing to the patient's course um, is helpful and just um, helping people to realize faster that you can't do it all by yourself. You need to be able to rely on somebody else to be that other person, that sounding board or um, the reassurance, I guess, that you're that your patient is progressing and that you're on the right line. Um, we've been very fortunate. That's why Scotty's question threw me off so much. I was like, what? People treat assistants like an aide? Like, <laughs> like, I just didn't even, you know, it didn't even cross my mind that that's a thing. And so now I'm like, oh, I didn't realize that that kind of things were going on in our profession. So the same as this, um, sometimes if you don't see something and then you don't realize that it's happening, it's, it's hard to address and consider, um, especially now myself, I'm just trying to, even right now with all the chaos that's going on, it's like everybody's just doing the best that they can. Let's just take a step back and see how can we regroup or how can we move forward from here? So I think the same would be true for a team that was struggling or not communicating. It's like, oftentimes when those things are happening, you're not realizing the other person's perspective. So I think stopping to do that and, and be intentional, like you said, to take the time to do that would be critical. Yeah, and uh, you actually brought up a good point about everyone having different strengths. Um, I know APTA has advanced proficiency pathways for PTAs. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? So the, the PTA um, has, so that program is for like a PTAs, like a being like um, improve their skills and um, the improve their knowledge to the specific area. So right now, I think APTA has like orthopedic and acute care and peace and wound care and cardiovascular and geriatric and oncology setting. And so like you enroll and I think you need to take the three courses from ATPA, um, like um, ethic and conduct and the, like a guide of working with PTAs and introductions to like profession. And then I think you need to get like 60 hours of continuing educations. And then I believe like 2000 hours of like a, like a clinical experience and documentation to get like, um, to get the, the recognitions. I think once you get it, I think it'll good for 10 years, I believe. Oh, wow. Very cool. Yeah. And that was something that I don't think I learned about till maybe like my second or third rotation, but that's a really great option too for anyone looking to gain a little bit more, like you said, not exactly like knowledge and skills in a specific area. So that's perfect. Um, and Nana, you are a brain injury specialist, correct? Yes. Okay, perfect. So um, can you tell us a little bit about kind of becoming, getting your CBIS and um, what that looks like using that in the inpatient setting? Um, so it's a pretty much a lot of, lot of studying going on. <laughs> and, um, I think it's, I think that the books updated, um, was it, Christine, do you remember the, uh, when did they updated the, the, all the information? I don't know. A couple of years ago, I think they, they upgraded their text. Text, yeah. New textbook to study. Yeah, the study about the, all the brain injury, um, and then um, all the other medications and all the other stuff too. And then you take the test and then um, that's like involved, not just the PT part of it, it's all like anatomies and then um, the pharmaceuticals and then all the, um, all the, all the, the family that involves and the brain injury patients and the, I just say, wow, I can't remember what else. It's been sorry. <laughs> hey, that's okay. 
I think it's a very comprehensive approach because you have to learn about um, all the laws, the different um, ADA updates. Um, so it's a very comprehensive look from a patient perspective, the family and caregiver perspective, plus anatomy, treatment, yeah. um, prognosis and recovery with the big tests. It's a, but it's a self-paced, self-study thing. Um, we had the opportunity to have a lot of people do it at the clinic at the same time. So it was a good study group and chance to kind of casually compare case studies and um, hear different perspectives and hear different people's um, histories with those kind of different cases. Yeah. I'm curious, have you ever had a conversation with one of your PTs or PTAs and been like, hey, I'm super interested in like the LSVT big and you're really interested in this brain injury. So I'm going to kind of go down that pathway and you go down that pathway. And that way we feel like we've kind of covered our bases a little bit better. Um, I think that happens a lot. I think that um, there's a lot of different certifications and specialty areas that people can get, like you've just described um, with, with seating and assistive technology um, PTAs can get a test, sit for and take those exams as well. Um, so there's a lot of areas where you can kind of divide and conquer um, to cover more ground for a very, very vast field. Yeah. So I know we're getting close to time. Um, I do want to ask just a couple more questions, though. This question just came in from Facebook, and I think it's a great one. Um, so someone asked, have either of you worked in other settings? And if so, do you find that those settings require different PTA, PT dynamics than the approach you use for patients with neurological conditions that both of you have mentioned? Um. No, and, and we're, we're both get so hyped about the neurodiagnoses, so I know it's easy to um, think that you're only thinking about that, but I feel even though the, even the more you grow in your career, you're go, you will recognize that you can't just be um, one thing, like I'm mm -hmm. not a neuro PT. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you don't recognize that the orthopedic component is impacting the neuro component, and there's a component of geriatrics when you have a um, a stroke that's age 80 versus a stroke that age, is aged 40, um, or any of the pediatric considerations as well with adolescents that are coming in, you know, concussions and, and sports-related neurologic injuries now. Um, really, it all melds together. So the, the more you can take in from other people in the clinic that have different areas of expertise, and the more you can collaborate when, um, you know, your, your patients come in in their AFO and they're ankle is stiff and needs to be mobilized now that you're working on getting out of it. Or, you know, that 50 year old that has had a stroke that's now coming into outpatient wants to return to running. Well, then, then that neurotherapist also needs to know the return to running protocols and progressions. Um, so while we, we get real hyped and excited for those kind of things, um, really you have to take the step back and look at the comprehensive approach of of all of it. But no, I don't think the relationship piece is any different. Um, that's where I think you can be even more able to collaborate and use people's skill sets differently. Um, and we have a lot of PTAs in our continuum, but especially now it's like, um, hey, I'm not, I'm not great with the running, hopping, jumping. You are. You take this patient, run them through, and you're, you would prefer not to do the um, lower level gait training, which I love. Let me do that one and let's collaborate and then let's keep learning from each other and meet in the middle a few times, but really being able to utilize that, those strengths and be able to switch it up and easily see which patient will be best suited to which person. I think it's also true of a personality thing when someone can just click with somebody or they're explaining something the right way use it and, and pair that patient with that person and then come back together in the end when you need to collaborate and make a decision for their care. Right. Wow. What a mic drop. Nana, is there anything? <laughs> well, she answered all the questions. <laughs> I love it. Oh, man. I love our profession. Man, well, thank you both so, so much for being here. Is there anything that um, Scotty and I didn't ask you about that you'd like our audience to know? Any final words of wisdom? Oh, man. Oh, um, 
No, I, I mean, it's, it's been very cool to be able to get to, to do this because it did make me take a step back and think about what we're doing every day. Um, and sometimes it's, it's just helpful to stop and do that because we get so caught up in having to get everything done that we've got to get done that you can lose track of or lose sight of um, these little pieces that you're doing every day that maybe you don't realize you're doing. So it was a nice honor. Um, and I think just keep, keep learning from each other. Keep. Yeah. Yeah, just open-minded and then just to communicate it each other. That's the communications. I think it's a good key to improve yourself and then uh, for them too. So it's just be you know, be comfortable and be confident and then just talk to each other and then you're going to be too good. Yeah, I love that. Scotty, I want to give you a chance too. Any last words of wisdom from you? Uh, no last words of wisdom, but I just really want to thank both of you for joining us. This is a topic that's near and dear to my heart, and I really appreciate you guys coming out and talking to us about how to have these good relationships. Absolutely. So if anyone wanted to keep the conversation going and learn more, um, where can they find you? Any social media channels you want to plug or <laughs> email? Uh, you can put, you can, of course, put my email up, um, or my, my email is Davidson period Christine and then the letter R at gmail.com. I only have like eight Instagram followers, so let's not the best. <laughs> I love it. Nana, where can people find you if they want to keep the conversation going? Yeah, my email is an A2JET at hotmail.com. So just yeah, shoot me email, any question. Perfect. Thank you both so, so much for being here. I know I learned a lot. I'm sure everyone else did as well. Scotty, thank you for being here, friend, for being my co-host for tonight. This was a lot of fun. Everyone have a great night. Take care.